Too many who know the angles Uncover and untangle All the questions and the webs left out to tangle in 1962, last Wednesday's afternoon, they'll bend your ears with reckless self-abandon. The amazing spider talk, the amazing spider talk, come swing through the air, sit back and prepare for the amazing spider. Hello, I'm Dapper Dan Gavostin, and I own every issue of Amazing Spider-Man, including the annuals, which definitely count. And I'm mischievous Mark Giannacchio, and I own every issue of Amazing Spider-Man. But Dan and all of your little acolytes out there who support your propaganda, the annuals don't count. Well... Acolytes, we just have to keep trying harder. Welcome, everybody, to the Amazing Spider Talk, the show where two fans and collectors uncover the strange, fun, and fascinating history of the Spider-Man comic universe. Thanks for joining us for a special review episode of the Amazing Spider Talk. And I say special, although with Beyond being as rapid fire as it is, it seems like all we're doing are these review issues because we're getting a new comic every week. And honestly, I can't think of any time in Spider-Man history where the books have come out this quickly. Yeah, well, certainly not the main title for sure. I mean, you know, they said initially triple ship, but I guess triple ship means every week. If you want to swing along with us on our journey through Spidey's past, present and future, subscribe to Amazing Spider Talk on your favorite podcast app every other week. We put out a mainline episode of our flagship show and sprinkled in between, <laughs> or every week, we review new comics as well as interview some of the greatest Spider-Man creators of yesterday and today. This is the perfect time to start listening. What's new? Today on the show, Dan and I are going to be talking about Amazing Spider-Man Volume 5, Number 92, entitled Beyond, Chapter 18. This issue was written by Kelly Thompson and Jed McKay, with pencils and inks from Sarah Pacelli, Fran Galan, and Jose Carlos Silva. Colors by Brian Reber, a cover by Arthur Adams and Alejandro Sanchez Rodriguez, and of course, letters by VCs Joe Caramanga. This issue was first released on March 9th, 2022. Dan, why don't you start us off by just telling us what happened? Well, what do we read uh, about? All right, Mark, I'll give it a shot. So here's my summary of Amazing Spider-Man, Volume 5, Number 92. The lizard is free from behind Door Z and immediately attacks Spider-Man and Misty Knight. But Colleen Wing counters by dismembering him, only for his arms to immediately grow back. Is this actually Dr. Kurt Connors? They ask themselves as they retreat to safety. It's there that they find a contained Michael Morbius, who, for some reason, has his arm grown back, maybe just in time for the movie. The lizard outside must be a combination of the lizard and Morbius's DNA, 
Did they use the lizard DNA to heal Morbius? We'll never know. At least not in this issue. At Beyond Tower, a mentally degrading Ben Riley tears up his friend AI Langston's security systems. He knows that if he still had Peter's memories, he would probably feel bad, even though it's an AI. That sounds like Peter. But he is happy that he doesn't, because it means he can tear through Beyond's security without remorse. Maxine is tipped off to Ben's attack on Beyond, as she quickly scrubs all evidence of Beyond's actions. Morbius then wakes up, revealing that his earlier actions were caused by Beyond's experimentations on him. The lizard stops banging on the door of the shelter, and Peter, Misty, and Colleen decide in Scooby-Doo fashion to split up, with the former going over to Ben and the other two women going after the lizard. We won't get to the conclusion of that story until number 92.bey because it couldn't be so simple or narratively complete, now could it? I mean, we have to make sure issue 900 lines up perfectly with August 60th anniversary so we can sell a ton of issues and capitalize on the synergy there instead of actually telling good stories or planning out something satisfying in the meantime. <gasps> right? Dan, that sounds like editorializing. You're supposed to be giving me a synopsis. Continue. Oh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. I got a little carried away there. Just kind of sometimes I get into these trances and editorials thoughts just come out of my mouth and I just don't know what to do about it. So I apologize. I will get back to the summary. So here we go. Back to the summary. Back at Beyond Tower, Ben gets attacked by a horde of living sandwiches until he's reduced by Janine or rescued by Janine rather who, personally, I thought was headed to Staten Island. I guess her intuition stopped her, which, good call. Janine expresses that she's ready to go back on the run with Ben, like the good old days in the lost years. Meanwhile, Maxine frees Marcus so that he can protect her from Ben. Ben and Janine decide to split up, with Janine going after Marcus as Ben seeks to demolish the building. They kiss goodbye with Ben declaring that his memories of Janine will help him discern right from wrong. And with that, he's off to confront Maxine. And with that, I'm done with my summary and some editorial channeling of Amazing Spider-Man Volume 5, Number 92. Dan, splendid job again. Let's get into it. Let's start, if we can, with the tone of this comic because I felt like that was something that we really kind of hit upon in our last review of issue 91 at least this comic was a little less absurd in some of its uh visual and and narrative jokes than the last one but not not that much less absurd <laughs> i mean you know and i saw that like this this was it was Kelly Thompson was the plot and Jed McKay was the script. So I, you know, and, and Jed is, his work has been, I feel like a highlight on the Beyond arc so far. So I do wonder if maybe he toned down some of the silliness and added some, added some, I don't know, a little more meaning to the text here than what we would have gotten if this was a strict a Kelly Thompson script and plots. But overall, man, like, what, what what I mean? What 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 can we say about Kelly Thompson and her her turn at at Beyond right now? Because it 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 seems to not be terribly great. <laughs> to to be kind. <laughs> well, the kind of like like moved into that realm. Like to me, Kelly Thompson. And now that she's kind of done on this book, 
to me, she felt like the least team player, so to speak, of the bunch of writers that we've gotten on this. I mean, I would say like her and Cody Ziegler feel kind of like the most different than the Zeb Wells led stuff where, where I would say like Jed McKay and Patrick Gleason fall kind of comfortably in solid and Ahmed kind of seems like his stuff is just so forgettable. I think he's just rather, it also I think felt, you'd rather write miles <laughs> at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess so. Yeah. yeah. And, and I guess the hospital issue just feels so bizarre that I guess I would lump him in with the Kelly Thompson's. But um, what sets her aside to me is that like she seems to be like kind of writing her own stuff. Like she has all these references that only exist in her books, like Morbius and the sandwiches. And I guess Cody Ziegler maybe referenced the sandwiches to me. It just, she feel, like, feels like she's not like going rogue, but like that she wasn't as looped in to the tone and style of everybody else. And I can understand what, like, why you might do that and some writers will do this like there's the bendis verse and the the donny cates verse inside of marvel and this is like a much smaller version of that but to me this is kind of like a highlight of like the editorial team not helping present a clear vision especially in the penultimate issues of this book where you don't want it to wildly diverge something that really struck me from from Thompson here in the last two issues, and I think especially this issue, is you know, and I don't want to, I don't want to assert intent on any of the creators here, but like the way this issue comes across, it feels like they really want to spotlight Misty and Colleen here in the in the stream of the story, so much so that we're going to have a, yet another one off with a dot b e y issue that's going to be about the two of them and the lizard in a week. And, you know, I, 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 first of all, I would say that it detracts from the overall narrative that we're trying to tell with Ben and Peter right now. I mean, this is supposed to be their story. Even more kind of confusing to me is I don't feel like those two characters, meaning Colleen and Misty, they come off that great in these comics, especially this one. Again, like Colleen is just like flat out unlikable or maybe it's just the dumb jokes that get assigned to her in in this story like like the stuff with like calling morbius mike and like you know i'm dr more no i'm gonna call you mike and it's like okay like am i supposed to be like am i laughing at this or like am i supposed to just like want to punch her in the face because like it's just really obnoxious to me that you, you know these are the quote-unquote heroes and it's like i said it's not even like good banter or like you know smart banter it's just like i'm gonna call you mike <laughs> you know like okay and even like the stuff with the lizard like you know i i know there was confusion initially like is this actually dr kurt connors well, i don't know but i'm gonna hack him the bits i mean it's just like it just feels like like wait what are we doing here these are the quote-unquote heroes like like I, there's but they're doing very little heroic stuff or just they're just you know I don't know. Like, I don't even know what they're doing. They're just there and they're they're shooting off, making lame jokes and trying to like slice and dice the villain. So I, I don't know. Like, I mean, is this is this really the book that Kelly wants to be writing? Does she rather be doing this book with the two of them? That Maybe. But I, I don't know if I'd read that either. <laughs> I keep thinking back to like the first issue where there was the backup text that said they had to expand this to 19 issues because they just had so much story to tell 
it had to be expanded to 19 issues. And like at the time we thought, well, that's a great promise. You know, like these people really must have it pretty tight if, you know, even before we're getting into it, they're like, well, we got to give it one more issue because we want to make sure that this thing sings. And I think if you just had the like Jed McKay, Patrick Gleason, Zeb Wells stuff, it probably would have sang. But I see no evidence here that like they needed to have the 19 issues or whatever, because even then it's like, what are you determining counting as? Because we're clearly we're getting this other story where they're going to wrap up the lizard story and they didn't even feel like they could tie that up here. Uh, it just it doesn't service anybody. And then it gets back to my kind of like comment, which we can lean into a later in this discussion, which is clearly this thing is padding us to get us to 900 at the exact right time. It's really transparent and maybe just to us industry insiders, so to speak. Although I, I guess that's probably not a fair label to give to us. Like you look at these like dot beyond issues that they've been doing and i feel like they could have taken out some of this fluff and put a couple of those into the stream of things and 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 cut a few others and we would have just been fine for it like i mean i like i think back to like the the Otto and aunt may team up or like the the mary jane and black cat team up which i mean i thought the mary jane and black cat issue was far better but like at least the, i feel like those stories actually tied into the larger thread of beyond whereas like you know we have we have what the the Colleen Misty Knight one the the um the what, what do you call it the uh, I, I, the identity crisis the slingers yeah the slingers and then we're gonna have another Colleen and Misty Knight issue next week I'm trying to think am I forgetting of any other point ones that that came out during this the span of I'm this? sure you are but like I, I'm just gonna ride or die the slingers here you know they better play into the conclusion of beyond or, right. or I'm rioting right but like I mean I would have taken out some of the padding and ASM here like the the Solomon Ahmed uh, basement story and like even you know and some of the stuff that we've seen in the last two issues here and just combine it into one and put those other two in and you could have gotten to 900 all the same and you wouldn't I mean but like they, they're clearly so yes they're trying to get to 900 at a certain point but they're also still doing the classic thing of like you know how do we how do we move product and 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 you know get creators out there in a in a way that we couldn't do independent of the amazing spider-man brand and like you know that that just becomes so frustrating i mean like we we, we dealt with that ad nauseum in the last creative run and and i i kind of thought in in how they laid out what beyond was going to be and that it was a very finite story that we were maybe going to get out of that habit but clearly it's it's you know it's not up to the it's not up to the people writing and drawing the book it's the people managing the book and this is just how they want to do business and i think it's poor business strategy and i think it's going to turn people off to the book but we've been saying that for several years now we have jokes on twitter that show that you know, we kind of feel this way about the people running the spider books right now. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to, to, to that, I feel bad that I've like kind of gone. So I don't even negative towards the editorial team. Like, cause like, I want to have a good relationship with them. Like we want people to come on our show and feel like it's a safe place. And, you know, and I, I did definitely like unload on some of the hype that was, thrown around about uh, issue 900 the greatest issue the since issue day. one <laughs> yeah and like i also think that that was miss a mistype yeah like was, i think they're they're shocker, trying to say they, it was a typo dan <laughs> <laughs> but like yeah right that that proves the point right there is like even in the press release there is a like typo 
how are you going to outdo that if you can't even get your press release straight? And it's just so all over the place. And uh, let's shift into talking about some of the content of this issue, lest we go down the road of bashing editorial. Maybe we'll save that for the second half of the show. Well, right. But let's talk a little bit about Ben and Janine here, because like I, I, I felt like we did get some focus on them here that maybe we didn't get, especially like Janine. Like I, I, I really liked some of the character beats with Janine and Ben. At the same token, some of the stuff that was just Ben seemed very repetitive and kind of uncreative to me. For example, like, you know, I mean, you, you talked about it in the synopsis. Like, I mean, he, he just kind of keeps beating on the, the same point of, I've lost my memories. I've lost my memories. I don't know who I, I and it's it just felt very tell don't show to me in terms of what's going on in this character's world right now. Like we don't we we can't do anything creatively in the scheme of the story to show how he's spiraling. So we're just going to have him mon- like inner monologuing about it. And and I don't know, like it just felt very anticlimactic and and it kind of dulled the drama of the moment to me. I don't know. Am I am I overreading it or or did you feel similarly? No, and I think like there's a great kind of like point here, which is like I, I liked the beat where he's like, if I was Peter, I would feel bad about destroying an AI because like to me that's kind of like a funny poke at how much Peter blames himself for everything, especially in how he's been characterized over the past decade or so, which is just kind of like endlessly feeling bad for himself, which I never really thought was like a huge part of the character more than it was him knowing that he had this weight on his shoulders. So, so I like that kind of joke there. And, and, but like why show it through like it happening off panel, right? Like there's a dramatic moment there was he shows up and you know, Langston is working against his wishes, right? This like friendly AI that suddenly is like, I can't let you continue. And then to see Ben be like, well, then we're at an impasse and destroy this thing that had been friendly to him in the past would have been dramatically rich, you know, but instead we're spending time on, especially in the penultimate chapter on these jokey bits when there's juicy drama. I mean, Langston's not the most fleshed out character in the world, but you could write it in a way that makes it feel dramatic and sells us on how far down the rabbit hole Ben has gone. That's clearly not the interest here. And it's like, okay, you can get to the beat by having him recount the beat, but it is tell not show. But then when Janine entered and kind of showed up, I mean, again, looking like the 700th iteration of herself because of the various artists we have working on this book, (laughs) putting that aside, I did feel like there was a lot of emotional connect. You know, there was a good emotional connection there. I, I, I kind of liked this sense of like, we're going to we're going to do it like we did back in the day, referencing the lost years, which I mean, outside of the presence of Janine herself, like I feel like we really haven't dipped into that that mythology all that much, which is a little disappointing because it's just I mean, I know JMD is doing his mini on Ben, but like, I don't know, it, it would it would be nice to see the main book that's been starring this character for so long, maybe dip into it a little bit more than they have. I don't know, like it, it really felt authentic to me and like I, I, I kind of felt the stakes maybe to the point where and I'm not you know this is not a prediction but like there was this one you know one point between the two characters where like I was really it, it kind of like struck me as like that moment in a movie where like a character is like 
oh, you know, I'm going to be around forever. And, you know, we're going to, we're, we're, we're best buds. And then like turns around and like dies in like a hail of gunfire. You know what I mean? Like, or, or, you know, falls off the side of a cliff or something or gets hit by a car. Like, like I, it, it feels to me like they're setting up something very tragic for Janine because it feels like that's his, that's Ben's last tethering to the real world. Maybe, maybe I'm actually creating good stakes drama in a way that they're not right now with Ben because it just seems very kind of up in the air what they want to do with Ben in the terms of this story but like I don't know like were, were you getting like like fridging bells and whistles for for Janine that you know like she was going to meet a Gwen Stacy end or do you feel like I'm like overreacting here oh man well I didn't think about it in the time because I think I just don't want to go there like it's just not my desire for this story so, but now that you're saying it, it's like, yeah, that, that does make sense to create some drama there. I mean, I'll, I'll say I kind of like didn't really get why they split up and she went after Marcus. I mean, yeah, they don't want him to die, but it, like if I were Ben, it seemed like, I don't think that the character really want, like would let her go, you know, like this guy just is talking about how he is not tethered to his morality anymore except for through Janine I feel like he wouldn't let her go run off and do that like it just seems like a weird decision for the character you might be right to your point about like these scenes kind of working the emotional core there I like I love the line where she says like about like we're, we're gonna go back on the run again and that's just us you know and I liked that beat a lot you know, we, it's the standard, like they're together and they kiss and that's kind of all we're getting out of them. But at least there's some kind of like acknowledgement of the kind of arc that we're going through, which is uh, they've realized that this is not the place for them and they are going to have to go back to their old status quo. I mean, I guess, I guess part of the reason why I bring this up is kind of like that. It's more of that thing of, are you, are you getting me to like these two characters together just to kick me in the in the the nether regions about it kind of like what we did with like the gibbon during last hunt and stuff like that you know what i mean like it, it, it's a it's a seems to be a common trick again of this current regime of of storytelling and in in, in 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 these comics to like you know kind of like build build somebody up just just so they can actually make the because prior to this i don't feel like they did a lot of work with janine and ben they were just kind of she was just kind of there and it seems like in the last couple of issues they're finally giving her stuff to do and and giving her agency and 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 giving you know again going back to the core of you know who is this person and why is she important and what's the his, what's the history here and it's like to me it, it would just feel kind of cheap to only to do that just to to pull the rug out from people but we'll see what happens in the in the last issue it's not even entirely new to this regime i mean i i think back to like early dan slot run under wacker it was you know if you want to bring drama into the book you kill someone you know and that was a real go-to for dan slot so we're not like reinventing the wheel here to say that like death in Marvel has lacked its punch for quite some time. I mean, of course it can still work. Like I thought Marla Jameson's death actually meant something, but that's probably about the last one that I felt very strongly about. Uh, yeah, I would uh, agree with that, especially when like half the characters came back in clone conspiracy anyway, and are still apparently running <laughs> around. So Dan, why don't I can't keep track of it. Exactly. Why don't we, we digress for a bit and talk about the slack. 
Yeah, take it away, Mark. Uh, well, hundreds of listeners like you hang out in our community of Spider-Man fans on Slack. The amazing Spider-Slack community is absolutely free to join, and you can jump into active conversations with awesome people about collecting, conventions, movies, new comics, old comics, and more. Yeah, I hang out in the Slack every day, and uh, this week there's been a lot of discussion about, like, Devil's Reign as it's starting to wrap up. Mark, have you been reading Devil's Reign? I have. I have not read the most recent issue, but I, I am I am four issues into it, so, you know, almost there. <laughs> almost up to speed. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm digging it so far. I think it's a little messy and kind of a retread of Civil War, but... It's got some fun stuff. I, I don't know that I love the inclusion of Dr. Octopus and his multiversal selves. It seems like a little bit of a weird grafted on part right. of the story, <laughs> as you would say, with a rivet gun. Um, but, you know, it's still a fun story at its heart. And it's always good to see the Kingpin and, and Matt Murdock kind of coming to blows. So... And, you know, like we said before, I think the Daredevil community and the Spider-Man community are often one in the same. So you can come into our Slack, join us to talk about Spider-Man and Daredevil and all things comic. If you want to, uh, there's a link in the description and it will guide you there to sign up and, and be a part of it. It's totally free and there's hundreds of us in there and it's a lot of fun. So we hope you come and check out our Slack. Awesome. All right, Dan, let's talk a little about a little bit about the art, which I mean, again, kind of like last issue, I think you can kind of cut and paste some of our feedback. <laughs> um, it, you know, like we, we got multiple people on this supporting Pacelli who clearly just couldn't pull it off by herself. And, and you know, it shows. Yeah, you know, this is just, you know, this is not one of the more attractive looking books of this run. I like Pacelli's stuff. I love love what she did with miles morales but like you know this is this is not leaving like a good taste in my mouth about about sarah Pacelli on spider-man and and you know i don't i don't know how to resolve that i mean outside of like i don't know like just like we said last time find find artists who can work in these deadlines i guess i guess that's what it boils down to <laughs> it's a real it seems to be a real challenge for the editorial team to keep like a stable of people that can deliver on their expectations and we're tough because we're the world's biggest hypocrites, which is to say, like, if we don't like the book, we keep buying it. So long as they're rewarded for kind of doing a slapdash job, you know. But we're also in the business of getting people to read the comics so they listen to our show and so on and so forth. It's also hard to judge some of these other artists like Fran Galan. Like, you have to imagine what Fran's deadline was like. Congrats, you're doing Amazing Spider-Man, but also, like, do it the fastest job you've ever done. At, le at least, like, and again, we don't know the story behind this, but, it, it, you know, it, you've been reading this consistently enough, you can kind of, like, peer behind, you know, the corner here. And then, like, if you look at, like, the BEY issue, 92.BEY, it's insane in terms of contributors. Like, not only are there, again, three artists, but you've got, like... I believe on that book, Kelly Thompson, Jed McKay, and Zeb Wells writing in that book. And it's like, did did they push Kelly Thompson Jed and Jed McKay too far and have to go back to, all the way to Zeb? It's, it seems like, again, editorial is having to hodgepodge these things together. Well, how about just not? Like, we don't need a book every week. Like, how about you just don't? Uh, I, I don't really understand like what the struggle is here. You know, our expectations and optimism from the beginning of this beyond we, we called 
you know, pointing into the stands and saying, if it were to fail, this is how it would fail. And I, I think we're seeing that happening here, even though I've kind of largely enjoyed Beyond as a thing. Yeah, uh, I think that's yeah, I think yeah. that's a fair assessment. And 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 you know, and just to be just to be clear and and not hypocritical, if you will, about it. I mean, in terms of like, what what are we talking about here when we're talking about what what's wrong with the art? And that's and you know, putting aside like even having multiple people. I mean, it's just you know, I feel like the 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 layouts are just not they're not creative, but they're also just they're they don't they're not conducive to good storytelling it's just like it, it, it like the pages just kind of flow with a sort of sort of clumsy and clunkiness uh, you know like you're not getting obviously with a gleason issue or, or, or you know even like bagley who you know i know is known for just working fast but i feel like at least he tells a clear story you know like i i keep thinking back to like the lizard fight it's three people fighting this like kind of monster mutant lizard thing. And yet it's, it seemed very unclear to me what, where the action was at points. Like, you know, and then at one point, you know, like you had the scene where Misty is shouting for Colleen and then, you know, they have like the go to dot. You got to check this out next issue in the dot beyond issue because we can't possibly, you know, disrupt our flow to 900 in in your immortal words. (laughs) Um, But like I had to look at this page, like, six or seven times to be like wait there's like there's like the lizard like have her in his clutch like you know like he's kind of descending it's just like the the drama of the moment is completely unclear to me and to me that this seems like low-hanging fruit in terms of like let's create a really striking visual that puts colleen in grave danger that makes this cliffhanger mean something and they couldn't do it you know like it's just a very clumsy stayed visual of the lizard and Colleen with her her katana and it just didn't do anything for me I mean you know you you know the page I'm talking about totally and then like just I mean Art Adams does this book no favor because his cover is so striking like his design of the lizard is so cool that like nothing on the page communicated the fear that I think I should be feeling from looking at that that character right like this is a pretty standard comics thing, which is like a bunch of people fighting a hulking giant. And none of that, like the size of the lizard seems to change page to page, but never really like enough that I was terrified uh, of this creature in the way that the cover does. And, you know, cover art is always, well, not always better than interior art, but you know, it, it it's allowed to, you know, have a whole page to command your attention and, and grab you off the shelves. But, you know, it's a pretty harsh reality from like that beautiful striking scary cover to what we see on the inside um with the lizard it's not a design for the character that i want to see myself return to yeah so so speaking speaking of the lizard i did want to talk a little bit and again like we we could probably cut and paste some of our criticism about overall about the status quo of the lizard from our last episode but you know specifically to this issue here i mean first of all first off i thought it was very bizarre that like Peter was just kind of cool with the daughters of the dragon, like, you know, hacking away at, at whatever form of the lizard this is. I mean, like, it's not, you know, they kind of make it unclear whether is it Connors? Is it not Connors? Is it, you know, like, what is this? Well, like, what are they fighting? And like, they're just going at it and like hacking his limbs off and stuff like that. And it's like, Oh, is he going to regenerate? 
Oh, he does. Which, by the way, like was also kind of like, huh? Like they seem to like be like, oh, he he's regenerating. I guess it is the lizard. I'm like, wait, what? Like I'm. It, it was just so confusing to me. Like like so, what if he didn't? And the and you killed him was like would you know? Speaking of Peter and his guilt, would he have been okay with that? <laughs> <laughs> right. No, Peter has often put himself. I mean, in in the way of the lizard and others hurting him to to keep him safe. And the kind of Connorsness of it all. I guess we'll wait till the bot dot B E Y issue to find out like what exactly happened there. And unless this is truly just keep punting this ball down the field and we'll never really find out what oh, no, we got. We, we got a, we got a miniseries sure. coming out. <laughs> you know, that's going to be Misty right, and Colleen yeah. fight the lizard. No, sorry. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Keep it going. How, how long can you do it? To me, the biggest thing is like, I don't know why you need a B E Y issue to, to wrap it up. Like, this is the main story. This is Amazing Spider-Man proper. Like, why spend two issues setting this up and only to not resolve it other than to sell another three or four dollar comic? I just think it's really frustrating. Like, you mean to tell me that there's going to be something so compelling in 92.bey or there was something so compelling in this issue that they couldn't? reveal what's going on there i just it's it's i think it's frustrating to me and it is it's greedy and the worst of comics business practices absolutely but with all that said you know you know we've made multiple jokes about kind of the editorial hype machine the last kind of thing i wanted to comment on on this comic was hey dan did you know that beyond's ending next issue because this comic really doesn't sell that (laughs) But that's kind of the thing that we've seen in these cycles is like this team really likes introducing new things. They don't like ending things. So like because it's not getting them hype, why bother hyping it? We're already on to issue number one and putting beyond in the rearview mirror, you know, and I just find it so frustrating and exhausting that like it's always about what's next instead of actually like servicing what we are currently working on. Yeah, I mean, you know, whatever. I mean, like, we've spent the last, what, five months reading these comics, and, like, I don't even... Like, you get to the you get to the end of this issue, and, like, the preview, and the previews for the Dot Beyond issue. It's And, and like, and like you kind of have to read the notes and get, and get a few paragraphs in to be like, and, oh, by the way, issue 93 is the end of the arc. It's just, like, like I don't know. This just feels like marketing 101. Even if you are trying to move on to the next thing like you know don't you want to let readers know that this is ending (laughs) i mean like and and you know that aside like you know and again like not to beat up on the art team here but like the the final visual is like this thing of like ben ben the full page spread of ben running through a sewer and again like it's just the blandest most undramatic image you could possibly conceive of for spider it's freaking spider-man like have them swing through <laughs> something like like you know like it's 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 funny when when you know go in the way back machine of our podcast and and you were right uh, i'm gonna admit this here you were completely right we get to the end of superior and peter is back like i remember being like oh yeah i kind of thought it was cool but like in retrospect it was the same thing like the last image is kind of this like hunched over version of Peter, like his fist clenched me, like I'm back, and it's like, 
but it's Spider-Man. Like, it, like it shouldn't be so static, <laughs> you know. Like this is literally the one of the most dynamic characters in in the Marvel universe here in comics, you know. And and you're you you choose to end your story with the guy like plodding through a sewer. I I don't know. Like like you know, it just like visually and narratively, this entire the last two issues have just lacked any grace style hype <laughs> gravitas is one of my favorite words that i like to use on this podcast when i'm annoyed dan it's just so disappointing like like say what you will about the hype machine and what's coming next you and i i think we were really into this comic into this series into this arc i wanted to, like um, i i am I, and i still even with the disappointment of these last two issues i still am interested to see what happens how this all wraps up because I'm a Spider-Man fan, and I I, I, I like to honor a, a long a long game of a story. But like, come on, guys, you got to do better in like getting me ready for it. You know, like like this is it's I don't know, like it's just it just seems so silly to me. Like I'm like yelling at them to to market to me better, and they won't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I also think that like I mean like my hope remains because I think Zeb Wells will pull it off. Right. Like I like I can ignore this because I know it's not the A team, so to speak. Although I think Kelly Thompson is considered one of Marvel's top writers at the moment. Heck, she won an Eisner last year, you know, for best, you know, series or whatever. Yeah, no, you're totally right. I don't know where he's going in that sewer, but maybe maybe it's so turning us off because, Mark, you know, issue 93 is going to traumatize us. Very true. Right. <laughs> so maybe they don't want us to buy that issue because they're they don't want to hurt us. Mark. I mean, maybe maybe are we going to like smell the sewer? And then, you know, is that going to be what traumatizes <laughs> us? Like, like, That's it. <laughs> I, I mean, come on. Like, it's just. I mean, you know, Spider-Man in a sewer. This is where we're at. And it's not even like he's like running towards the lizard or <laughs> running towards uh yeah, Where is he going? He was in Beyond Tower going after Maxine. Why is he in a sewer? Is she in the sewer? Yeah. Like I, what's it, happening? Yeah, it's 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 bizarre and like we're we're two fans. I shouldn't I shouldn't be screaming into our virtual void here to be like Hype me up more, please. Instead of talking about <laughs> talking about the greatest story ever told, which is clearly Amazing Spider-Man issue number one, <laughs> the pinnacle of comics. <laughs> anyway. Oh, geez. Yeah, I, I don't know what else to say here. I just I, I keep coming back to the traumatize you in terms of like marketing speak. And it takes me back to like the 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 whacker era with like issue nine of superior where it's like if you were angry before just you wait you're gonna get even angrier except like that is even more like enticing than like this book will straight up traumatize you i'm like thinking like you know i'm gonna be a father soon and i keep coming back to this it's like am i gonna want to buy a comic for my son on the offhand chance that it's gonna traumatize him i'm not sure I mean, it's like uh, maybe they could just like maybe the cover that that cover of um, the two Spider-Man fighting that I keep coming back to is a false flag. And what the actual cover of 93 is going to be like an homage to the National Lampoon magazine of like the gun to the dog's head. Like, if you don't buy this comic, we're going to kill this dog and that will traumatize you. <laughs> it's just like an image of someone setting their Amazing Fantasy 15 on fire slowly. And we're all like, no, except that 
that would only traumatize you and me. Well, no, it wouldn't only traumatize <laughs> us, but only only hardcore collectors would actually like really like go down the drain with that. I don't know if the vast majority of people who read Spider-Man every week, God, I can't believe it's every week, <laughs> would, would, would feel that kind of level of pain for something like that, but whatever. <laughs> Speaking of traumatizing us, do you want to talk about the grade for this comic? <laughs> Well, well what, did, what did we give the last one? Was it a D or D minus? I'm trying to remember. I think it was a D minus. I think you were the one that like soured us to a D minus. Okay, I, I'm I'm going to say this is a D plus because again, there there were some there were some moments that I enjoyed. I, I didn't mention this earlier on, but I, I also enjoy the fact that this w- will hopefully be the last time. I have to talk about talking sandwiches in a Spider-Man comic. So, you know, points for that. So, uh, but yeah, so D plus for me. What about you? Yeah, I feel weird giving this one a D plus because I was thinking the same thing because like it is sloppier, at least in terms of it's like creative like input like three artists and two writers versus two artists and one writer but like it was a swerve in the right direction which maybe puts us very clearly in the like writers over artists camp but like when you're working with so little i'll take the little bit that i can get and i like some of the writing in this book that's kind of where i'm at too so for me yes i i'm going d plus as well well unlike Marvel's or or the the Spider Office, Dan. I will say from our fans, the next time they hear from us, it will be reviewing the last issue or the last chapter of Beyond. So we'll have to see how it all ends. I'm I'm maybe excited. <laughs> I'm definitely excited. I I enjoyed every Zeb Wells issue, and we're getting like a double sized issue with what I've been told is all Patrick Gleason art. So like. I can ignore these enough, like, to know that I think they're going to do a stellar job closing this out. You know, I hope. You know, I, I have, I have bet on on worse bets than this. I think. Well, wait until we find out that the mastermind of this whole thing was Gabriel Stacy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, all of our listeners are just like, no. Why would you even say that, Mark? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, hey, you know, um, that's the end of our review. But if you did find this show entertaining and valuable an- enough to not, like, cancel us for Mark's suggestion about Gabriel Stacy, you know, it would do us a real big favor to really recommend Amazing Spider Talk to a friend or even five friends, you know, like, I, that would be great. That's more friends than I have. Mark seems to be my only friend at this point. He's the only one that will entertain my ramblings about Spider-Man. And if you want to be like more than just a friend to our show, why not become a member to our Patreon? Yeah, I mean, we're not saying you buy our friendship, but we are saying that we can only... <laughs> I am saying that, Mark. <laughs> well, I, I am. I, I'm trying to dull that edge, Dan. I, I just want to say we can only bring you this content with the support of our Patreon members. Uh, and we owe the sh- show's success to every single one of them. So thank you for paying for our friendship. Uh, in return, we're going to constantly make exclusive content for our Patreon uh, folk. Uh, like what, Dan? Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for dulling that that edge there. I, I'm still saying like friendship for sale, because you know? like it, it's a it's a, it's a win for me. You know, I get a friend. And I get your money, um, which, like, granted, I put back into the show. So, yeah, there you go. But anyway, for for three dollars ninety nine cents, the price of a new comic 
you know, if it's not a .bey issue, which I think is $4.99, God help us, uh, you can put it towards a month subscription to support the show and start receiving our Patreon content. That way you'll hear all of these Patreon-exclusive review podcasts on every new issue of Amazing Spider-Man the same week it comes out, instead of waiting for it to arrive in our public podcasting feed once it goes live on Marvel Unlimited about three months later. Yeah, and if you're a super fan, a super friend and you contribute $10 a month, you gain access to exclusive artwork from famous Spider-Man artists commissioned exclusively for our members. Plus, every episode we release a new episode-specific desktop background created for us by artist Nick Cagnetti for our patrons to enjoy. I wouldn't be a good friend if I didn't say <laughs> that, you know, we know it's been tough on you. Like, it's been tough. So, like, I get it if you haven't joined the Patreon yet. So, like, look in your wallet. See if you got a couple pennies laying around. Maybe that could go towards the Patreon. So, yeah, why not consider becoming a super friend, joining our Patreon, which you can see a link in the description for this podcast. It'll take you there. You can look about how you can buy our friendship. It will have a lot of great times together. And again, we already have so many super friends, so that's a special thank you to our members who already make our show possible. But alas... It is that time. Clearly, it's that time, Dan, because we are yeah, so right. off the rails we are, here. We are going long in the tooth here. Uh, time for all good things to come to an end. So we want to say thank you to you, the listeners and viewers, for tuning into this episode of The Amazing Spider Talk. This episode was edited by Rick Coast, who had to listen to that whole spiel. With production support from Andy Myers, our artwork comes handcrafted by artists Ron Friends, Sal Buscema, and Ray Sumzer. Our theme songs were produced by Ryland Bojack, Tony Thaxton, and Spider Madge. So, Mark, until we have to pad out our podcast to hit an arbitrary milestone at the same time as our podcast anniversary, what's our motto? Yeah, you know, we're the, we're the kind of people that put like nine hours of content into a 200th episode <laughs> instead of breaking it out into my... anyway our motto is with great podcasts there must also come find out the conclusion of this motto in amazing spider talk number 92 dot beyond seriously it's over guys let's go there don't, don't miss the next installment